Hello, welcome again to From the Preacher's Study. We literally are in the Preacher's Study. My friend and colleague and the preacher here at Oak Mountain, Bob Hutto, and I have the privilege of presenting some lessons from the book of Ephesians. Uh, if you've been following along with us, we're in uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and uh, talking about the mighty and wonderful grace of God and how we are the wonderful beneficiaries and recipients of that grace and what all that means. Uh, we want to thank our audience again for tuning in and making us a part of your life. We hope that you're being uh, uplifted and edified. We've heard so many good comments uh, from those who are tuning in, and we thank you for that encouragement. It, uh, it just reinforces the, the importance of the work that we're doing here, and as we said last time, the ultimate goal is to magnify, laud, uplift, praise, and extol the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and our Father God. Uh, you have any open uh, comments? Well, about? we always want to uh, just take a moment and thank Jason and Mark, and, mm -hmm. and uh, their, their good work, and they Amen. make this possible. Neither you or I would be able to, to do what we're doing without them. <laughs> and so, uh, we're you know we're we're leading the discussion and and hopefully guiding people's thoughts in the Word. But they're very much a part of this, and we want to uh, express our gratitude to them for their work as well. Amen. Well, let's get back into Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, we made our way down to about verses 7 and 8. I wanted to pick up in 8, make a couple of comments, and then we'll work down to uh, verse 10. So let us read in verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And certainly we understand that we are saved by grace, through faith. Uh, it is not our works. There's no system of law keeping that we could be so adept at that we could earn our right into the pearly gates of heaven. Uh, I think it's interesting if you think back to this group of people he's talking to, those in Ephesus, and he's talked about knowing about their great faith and their love of the brethren, and he's reminding them of some things. And I think there's something to be said about that. Um, reminding them of where they came from, reminding them of what God has done for them, and I think there's value not only for the Ephesians, but there's value to us in our walk with God uh, to remember the past, not in a way that paralyzes us, not in a way that's contradictory to Paul saying, looking forward, forgetting those things that are behind, but in a sense of appreciating and developing and cultivating in one's life and one's mind an appreciation for what God has done for us, and then to translate that appreciation into obedience. Uh, Titus chapter 3 uh, makes a point that I think is pretty powerful, very similar uh, to what we're talking about here. Titus chapter 3, let's begin with verse 1. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable. Now, listen to this. Gentle, showing all humility to all men. Verse 3. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior towards man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, not, but according to His mercy, He saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. And the point I want to make is interesting in verse 2. He talks about we need to show all humility to all men and immediately tethers that to this idea for we ourselves were in the same condition spiritually as these people that are outside the body of Christ. And so again, one of the values 
of remembering where you came from to the extent that some of us sometimes are so far removed from our conversion experience that we forget what it was like. And, and we might be tempted. Satan may kind of whisper in our ear and think that we're better people than other folks. And maybe we become a little supercilious, a little haughty. And uh, the Bible seems to be reminding us, hey, you're not that far removed from where these folks are. And that ought to generate in your heart some humility. The idea that all of us, as Paul said, all of us were dead in our sins and trespasses. This is not about us. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the great glory of God and His grace and long-suffering and the fact that we had enough sense to take advantage of, as you said, the conditions of salvation. Uh, Bob, you said something last time that kind of uh, rung a chord of familiarity. When you look all throughout the Scriptures, look all throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament, time and time again, when God would save His people, check me on this, every single time, there was some conditional element to that salvation. There was something that they had to do. Walk around the walls of Jericho. Uh, take out the giant. I mean, there was always something that had to walk through the Red Sea. There was something that was required by the people themselves. And yet, they did not turn around and boast out their, uh, puff out their chest and boast, look what I did to myself. They understood it was the salvation of God despite the fact that there were conditions that they had to fulfill in order for that salvation to be complete. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I, think that's, uh, I think that's right. There are conditions for us to meet. Sometimes God may act in an unconditional mm -hmm, way mm -hmm. and, and bless His people and bless mm -hmm. His children. But there are times when He asks us to meet certain conditions. Mm -hmm. But even when we do that, that doesn't mean we no, no. save ourselves by ourselves, that's by right. our own might or by our own intellect. That's right. It's kind of like people that maybe are on a sinking ship mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. a helicopter hovers over and <laughs> lets down the, the, the lifeline. Right. And maybe it's got a basket. People climb in the basket and, and pull them up. Uh, well, who saved them? Well, mm -hmm. the people in the helicopter saved them. That's right. If they didn't get in the basket, they, they, they were going to drown. That's right. And so a, a person would be foolish to boast about, do you see how well I got in that <laughs> basket? Well, that, that's a person who doesn't appreciate you know, what, what's done for them. That's and right. that's our position. That's right. We're, we're lost and we can't save ourselves. We're right. drowning. Amen. And yet God has saved us, and all we need to do is grasp hold of the, the lifeline that He's extended to us Amen. And, and hold on, let Him save us. And I like your point about it being a gift. It's a very unique gift. Uh, a lot of us have gotten to the point in our lives when we get gifts, um, it's nice and we appreciate the thought behind it, but in actuality, we could have gone out and gotten whatever the gift is. It's really the thought behind it that's appreciative, we're so appreciative of. But this is a unique gift in that we could not have done this. That's right. Under no circumstances could we have erased the debt of uh, sin that we created by violating uh, God's law. And so it's a very unique gift that needs to always be in our mind. And, and it's supposed to produce a spirit of thankfulness and gratitude that again leads to obedience. And if you don't have that, then you get over in Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verses 26 through 31, you get people that start sinning willfully. And the Bible describes them as, again, counting the blood by which they were sanctified, a common thing, insulted the spirit of grace, uh, trotting underfoot the Son of God. And he says, for those folks, when you get to that point, when you don't appreciate what I've done, then that sacrifice that was there for you, it's gone. You don't have it anymore. So it, there's a practical component to this grace. You know, a lot of times we talk about grace and people think of it as, well, I'm saved by grace, meaning I don't have to do anything. And yet the Bible says that grace teaches us things. Look over in Titus chapter 2. Titus the second chapter, we're going to look at verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Now listen to this. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts we should live soberly, righteously, 
and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That doesn't sound like something that you just get and you live any way you want to and you're still going to be bound for heaven. No. One, grace actually teaches us something. We are to learn something from the grace of God. And then he goes on to tell us, what, is, what are we taught? Well, we're supposed to do something. We're supposed to deny ungodliness, deny worldly lust. We're to live soberly, righteously. God. These are all things we can do. And so grace actually teaches us that there are responsibilities that we have to that great sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. Right. And so you're right that there's there's more to, to grace than just the receiving mm -hmm. of the gift. Mm -hmm. It places upon us a responsibility, a debt of thankfulness and gratitude. Amen. And, uh, and a doing what we can to, as the Bible would say, walk in a manner worthy That's right. of the great things that the Lord has done for us. So I'm, th I'm mindful of 1 Corinthians 15 verses 9 and 10. Paul says, I'm the least of the apostles, not fit to be called an apostle. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. he calls to mind that former life of his, mm -hmm. which he was persecuting the church and putting Christians to death. Yeah. I'm not fit to be called an apostle right. because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than them all. So there you have Amen. that the recollection of the yeah. past. Right. Uh, and... By God's grace, I am what I am, right. which motivates me mm -hmm. to work. Amen. And Amen. Uh, you can see all of those ideas combined in that passage. Which is a great segue to chapter verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. And I love the emphasis is we are the work product of God. And God has had in his mind before the world began the kind of lifestyle that we're to live in. And this idea of good works, we've talked about that before. It really is remarkable. It's a good study to, to look throughout the New Testament how much emphasis is placed upon good works. But it's not, as some mischaracterize or disagree with the idea that there are conditions to grace, it's not the idea that we're going to get to the pearly gates of heaven based on the strength of our CV or our resume. But it's the idea that we're saved by grace but part of that being saved by grace is we were saved for a purpose. Mm -hmm. God had a purpose for us. He is a life for us, and that life is a life of good works. We again want to go back to Titus uh, 2 and 3. There's so many good things about that there. Uh, let's go back and uh, start with verse 11 again and read down through uh, verse 15. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteous, and godly in the present age looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, now listen to this, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. And so he says, he can link this, one of the purposes that Jesus redeems us is that we are to be a people that not only do good works, but we're zealous for good works, which is the same thing as being said here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Uh, I, I've heard one sister say one time, you know, we're saved to serve, that there's, there's a purpose to this. And think about how that flies in the face again of the mischaracterization, a mischaracterization of grace, which is you get this gift and you sit back and do nothing and you can't do anything that could possibly lose the salvation. No, no, no. This grace is designed to produce a product, some fruit. 
And that fruit is us living a life devoted to good works. Again, not trying to earn our salvation, not trying to prove that we can do it on our own, but it's out of gratitude and appreciation and thankfulness to God that we please Him. And what does He want from us? Good works. How do we know that? It's in the Word of God. It's spelled out. We're to do good unto all, especially to the household of faith, Galatians 6.10. So I like that connection between the grace of God and what we're saved for. We're supposed to keep up a pattern of good works. Thoughts on that? Well, I think it's simply, it's the gospel in action, really, yeah. the, the idea of doing good works. And so what, what is the gospel? Mm -hmm. It's God doing good works for us, That's for right. our benefit. And he sent his son, his son goes to the cross, and so he's doing what benefits us. And so we take our cue from God's actions toward right. us. We forgive as God has forgiven us. Uh, we love as God has loved us. Mm -hmm. We do good works as God has done good works for us. He does good works for us in many ways. He, he has saved us, but he makes his sun to shine on us. He mm -hmm. sends his rain on, uh, on our crops and makes uh, food grow and so forth. And so all we're doing is reproducing in our lives as God's children what God has done for us. And so because God has done good for us, because Christ went about doing good, mm -hmm. we, we go about as best we can doing good. Right. I think it's too, it's pretty impressive to me that this is something that was in the mind of God before it all began. And so this is not something that's uh, an add-on, a last-minute thought, but God had in his mind, this is part and parcel of his salvation for mankind. So what we're saying is that, that yes, we are saved by grace. We could never close that gap between us and God that was created by our sin, but we're saved for a purpose. And that purpose is to serve Him. And He tells us, what I want you to do are good works as I define them. Let God define them, not the world. And so our whole life is given over to pleasing Him. What would God have me to do in my job? What would God have me to do in my family? What would God have me to do in relating to my neighbors? How would God have me spend my money? How would God have me dress? I mean, the list goes on and on. We're slaves of God because the ultimate good in our life is to please the Lord in all things. And, and we need to look at our lives and, and be like uh, Dorcas. Remember, Dorcas was mm -hmm. characterized as a woman that was full of charitable deeds. We need to be full of charitable right. deeds. We need to have a, work, a lifestyle that is doing good works for the Lord. We're running out of time here. Do you have any closing well, words? Well, I would just add one thing. I preached a sermon here recently in which I'm, I was talking about doing good works and serving others. And I made the point, look, think small. Yes. Think small. Uh, when Jesus in Matthew chapter 25 commends those, the, you know, his brethren in the judgment day, what, what for establishing a multi-million benevolent, you know, society or something, it was I was hungry. You gave me something to That's eat. Right. I was thirsty. You gave me. Those are small things. Right. I was sick. You visited me. A cup of cold water. Amen. It's a there small thing. And so just just think in small ways. Mm -hmm. How can I help someone? How can I give someone a hand that that needs a little help? Amen. And um, you know that goes a long way. Amen. And so think about how can you know what good can I do for mm -hmm. someone that I know that needs some help today? And so. That would be a good way to, to start putting all this into action. I like that. And we all have something we can offer. It may be from our experiences, maybe our talents, maybe our education, whatever it is. No one can say, well, I don't have anything to offer. Everybody has something yeah, to offer. Right. We just need to put it into action. We've run out of time here. We want to do as we normally do, which is close out the class with a word of prayer. Bob, would you lead us in that? Sure. Our Father in heaven, we bow before you. We acknowledge your greatness. We acknowledge your holiness and your righteousness. And we understand, Father, that we're really unworthy to call upon you and to expect you to hear us, but you've asked us to, to call upon you in prayer and you've promised that you would hear us. 
through your son, Jesus Christ. And so we come before you today. We offer this prayer to you in his name. Help us, Father, to appreciate more and more the great grace that you've bestowed upon us through the gift of your son. Help us to live a life of gratitude and thankfulness every day and, and walk in a way, live in a way that's worthy of the great gift that you've given us. Help us, Father, to manifest your goodness in our lives and to reproduce the good things that you've done for us, for other people. We were in a very uh, distressful situation without the ability to help ourselves, and yet you took the initiative to help us. Help us, Father, to take the initiative to help those who cannot help themselves, and help us to be a people who are zealous for good works. Again, Father, we're thankful for the gift of your Son, and we pray that uh, you'll continue to bless us in every way that we need, physically and spiritually, as we live lives in, in this world that bring glory and honor to you in anticipation of the world to come. We offer this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.